Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, I'm Steph and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast. I wanted to start with a massive thank you. Uh, I've had so many messages about the last two episodes. The Dr. Karen Gurney episode on sex in long-term relationships and the Matt Frey episode on relationships and marriage. Um, You may or may not know, but in 2014, before I started Don't Buy Her Flowers, I had a blog and I wrote honestly about motherhood and relationships and not really feeling like I knew what I was doing as a grown-up and the response was really big at the time with people saying this is how I feel and I just absolutely loved that human connection and the interaction that came off the back of that and I've got a lot to thank that blog for as it also gave me the confidence to leave my job and start Don't Buy Her Flowers. Um, It was kind of realising that I could connect with people and if they felt like me about lots of things including motherhood and life and relationships then the very idea behind Don't Buy Her Flowers about thoughtfulness and empathy rung true for others. Um, I especially love that people have been sharing those two episodes with their partners. One of my favourite messages has been from someone who got married last year and she found the relationships episode articulated things that they've been trying to get to themselves, her and her partner. And she said it was a huge relief and that they spent their hour walk discussing the podcast and it helped them kind of get through this muddled conversation. And I just love that they go for an hour walk as newlyweds. I think that is a good thing. Matt talked about, actually Matt and Karen both talked about connections and rituals. So they're onto a good thing. Um, But yeah, thank you. Um, Keep the messages and sharing and reviews coming and we'll work on bringing more fab episodes. And feel free to email me your suggestions to podcast at don'tbuyherflowers.com. Uh, This is the start of our fatherhood episodes leading into Father's Day, which is on the 19th of June. Come and look at our website for excellent gifts, don'tbuyherflowers.com, and you can pre-order now and we'll send it out closer to the 19th. Um, And today's guest is Jonathan Kirkby. Jonathan became a dad via surrogacy uh, with his husband around 18 months ago, and I think it's one of those things that we might feel like we know a bit about via celebrities or probably inaccurate information um, and little snippets here and there so he talks through the whole process um, and we also talk about whether he suffers with dad guilt and how they share the load at home all really interesting and we recorded this episode a few weeks ago and actually Jonathan and his family are in America right now about to have their second baby so wishing them loads of luck with that and let's find out more to say huge congratulations because you're having another baby i must be mad so you're gonna have two under 18 months right that is correct that's exciting so how long have you got to go uh we have six weeks left so we are 34 weeks on saturday but we pretty much know the baby will come two weeks early they seem to love that in america they like to induce in America, which is right. quite controversial amongst us and my friends in the UK, but yeah. um, it seems like a real common thing to do. So I'm kind of starting to feel like it's about six weeks away, if not less. That's exciting. It is exciting. I'm starting to really get excited. Went through a real phase of feeling a bit just daunted by the yeah. whole fact of like, eek, we're going to be a family of four. 
and yeah. that whole how we're going to travel ever again like how do you yeah. carry two children through an airport and all their stuff and you know who takes the child and so it's just like with this panic yeah. and now the excitement of having a newborn has kicked in I think that is so normal like well I definitely felt it between one and two I was worried I was going to ruin the firstborn's life because they were really happy and you were quite happy and then you're like oh god but they will be fine they'll be fine they will somebody said to me today when, when you start seeing your child interact with your other child it's yeah. such a beautiful thing to see so I was like yeah. oh okay that's positive yeah hold on to that bit <laughs> <laughs> we had M Smythe on the um, podcast and she talked all about adoption and it, I had so many messages from people especially who have been through the process just saying it was so refreshing to hear people talk about it with someone who actually knows and who's been through it and obviously their experience is individual like your experience of surrogacy is individual but it, there's so much misinformation and that's why she really wanted to do it. And also then there's, I guess, like a fear because people don't know enough. So they find it a bit odd or unusual yeah. or whatever. But, and I think you, I, I understand from your posts and stuff that you have a passion to want for people I to understand. I love it. I think the more people talk about surrogacy, the more norm, normal it becomes in any yeah. situation or setting. I've spoken to quite a few female, I would say friends or like contacts and journalists and people I know. And... There are people mostly in their mid-40s who said, I had no idea about surrogacy. I just, it, it makes me mad now when I'm thinking, why didn't you know that? So like, mm. the more that we discuss it, and my husband and I were very open books. People love to ask us questions. There is right. like, do you mind me asking this? And I'm like, no, ask more. My oldest is 11, and I don't remember anything about surrogacy kind of when he was born. But my youngest is four and a half. And in his class and stuff, and actually my daughter's class as well, there are pairs of dads and pairs of mums and some of them have done Fantastic. it through surrogacy. But it feels like it's really changing in the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely picking up a lot more steam. And I think it's just becoming more accessible through routes of, you know, we went through a US route, but mm -hmm. the whole UK surrogacy market is slowly opening up. There's a, there's a lot of kind of T's and C's around it. but And I think more like Instagram with other gay dads who are speaking out and showing that they have children and they've gone through the journey. I think other people are like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> you said that your whole life, basically, you were told that you couldn't have babies. And then suddenly it was something that could happen. For some reason, like when I was younger, I always wanted to have a child. And mm. I always been thinking, hmm, I don't know how that would be. I, I was kind of very traditional. I kind of grew up in a South Wales Valley town. You know, I've got a mum and dad, lovely family. You did have a load of money, which is a really good family morals. Mm -hmm. um, and I always kind of wanted to try and replicate that to a certain extent but then you throw in that I'm gay and it's like oh how will I do that and I used to say to people when I was 18 21 at uni like I want to have children and they yeah. always get really fascinated by the detail people was like will you adopt and I was right. like I don't I don't know actually I don't know if I'm if adoption is for me but I, I always remember quite clearly saying when it gets to the point that I, I'd like to have a child and I'm at that point of my, or phase in my life, mm. things would have changed and moved on. And it was kind of like I was manifesting it when I now look back and thinking, I was just saying, I want something else. Adoption's not for me, but I would like to have children. Mm. But I don't know what that is. So hopefully something will change and happen. Yeah. For me, I guess going back to why I wanted a child was, I always felt quite fortunate that I grew up with good morals and good family values. And then kind of when I went out to the wider world and I met a whole host of people from all walks of lives, you know, I kind of always thought, God, if you get rich, you just have loads of great things. And actually, when I kind of ventured to uni and met a whole host of people, it was like, for me, I look back at my family then was like, thank you, actually, you gave me a lot yeah. of foundation blocks. And I kind of was thinking, if I can give that to one child in the world, then it makes my life a lot more meaningful. That's lovely. But And then so... What was the process? What was the first decision? What's, how do you actually kick off? Yeah, so we, it was about a two and a half year process. And I think that was, we kind of finally got to the point of, oh, let's have a baby. And was like, my husband was like, yeah, let's do it. And I wasn't quite sure where he was at this point because we hadn't discussed it for so long. And then we just said, okay, let's do some research. So the usual thing, you go to Google, we kind of Google surrogacy and we read quite a few online articles. And for us, it became quite apparent that the US was most likely going to be our route. So then what our process was that we we emailed several agencies. We had a few phone calls with them. We met one of them in London and we kind of narrowed it down to about two or three agencies. And we kind of looked at the fee structure and how they go about it, where they're, they're based in, in America. 
so you find an agency in the US, the the agency will then um, they kind of give you a a book which is a basically menu. a menu, and it, it yeah. felt really it felt really. I'm sure you've heard it. it's like it's like human shopping. It was a little odd. Adoption, I think, is quite similar from what M said. But yeah, and that you feel a bit weird about it because you're looking at that point at babies, whereas I'm guessing you're looking at mothers. We were looking at mothers and it was just yeah. like, you know, so every night we were like, okay, right, profile 406. Mm. <laughs> and it, it's really in depth. You click on it and you see Sharon and it says mm. 26, Harvard graduates, blue eyes. And it'll say everything but their descent, their family. You click them further, you see the family history. And you kind of find your point going, God, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's lovely. Oh gosh, her grandmother died of diabetes. Her dad died of a heart attack. <sighs> Oh, and then you feel really bad on yourself. Uh, (laughs) But once you kind of get over that and you realise, you know, it's it's part of a process and, you know, this is, you're not exploiting somebody. It's somebody who has chosen, you know, very kindly to donate their eggs. So then we we found our egg donor. We lost one egg donor because we found out she'd been to a Zika-prone area. So they they had to remove her. We also done some kind of tests, double check what kind of, if there was anything hereditary that we had, some random kind of like hereditary diseases that you wouldn't get matched with somebody who might have that in a bloodline, even like as random as it could be. Yeah. So yeah, so so we got matched. And at the same time, the agency is looking for a surrogate for you. And with the surrogate, you kind of get given one. It's not like the egg donor. It's not like you have a whole book. I think there's less people who want to be a surrogate. So because there's different types of surrogates, isn't there? So there's some where you can use the egg from the mum, and there's some where you don't. True. What's the right language, yeah. by the way? Do you say mum or do you say surrogate? Or so we use surrogate for our surrogate. Yeah. Uh, the other word is carrier. So yes, we found our egg, and then we got you know we got a, a survey of all the questions about a surrogate, what we look for it, and those kind of things cover important things like religion, for example, ethnicities, just in case there's any kind of crazy kind of worries. We were very relaxed by it, um, but the same questions get asked to the surrogate. So we got matched to a surrogate. Um, admittedly, we got matched to one to start with, and we went on a three month journey with her, and we were about three weeks out from transferring an egg. And she'd already done been a surrogate previously. And unfortunately, she had an anxiety attack over Christmas. Um, not to do with surrogacy, I believe, but the doctor basically ruled her out and just said, you need to take a step back. So that was a little bit of a fallback right. over that, that we found out that on Boxing Day. So that's tough, right? Because there's controllables in the, in all of this, but that's another person to factor in, I guess, of how they're doing in their emotions and their life and everything else that's hard that's a really good question and you know what that's the whole part of surrogacy that you you are out of control of somebody else like you Mm. can't micromanage a surrogate even though as much as you'd like to know lots lots and lots about it they're in another country um they're another relationship another house you know lots of lots of people always say to me you know do you think your surrogate's drinking like what kind of food is she eating what do you think she's doing i'm like I don't know. It's not helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. And, you know, I, I, I'm i very good at just putting things, we're quite practically minded and just being like, I've got to trust her. Like, you know, we, we chatted, mm. we spoke, we agreed to go on this together. And I don't want to second guess her. I just want to believe in her and trust in, in her and what she's doing for us. So um, it was, the, the, the losing the first one was, was frustrating, I'd say, but I'm a believer in fate. And I think everything happens for a reason. And we then got matched with our carrier, Stephanie, um, mm. a few months later. I think it was actually a better match. We've actually got very similar outlooks. And we're also very similar minded. We're sort of right. like practically minded. Yeah, that was that was kind of finding it. That's, again, it was agency helps and the agency helps you with legal pieces. So you can do surrogacy in all, all parts of the world. There's places like China and India and Spain. Ukraine used to be a very popular destination. Yeah, I read that. And of course, the UK. The main factor that pulled us to the US is that the legal paperwork that's done before the baby is born is watertight. So there's no ambiguity of whose baby is this ever going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, in the US, it starts around about 23 weeks where you start drawing up paperwork with the local courthouse. And as soon as your child is born in the US, as soon as it takes a breath, it's our responsibility. So mine and my husband's, we're on the paperwork. We go straight on to the birth certificate. Where when you do it in the UK, there is no paperwork drawn up 
beforehand that I believe of. What happens in the UK is that you, first of all, your agencies are very harder to manage in a UK perspective because you can't do commercial surrogacy. So right. I could say to you, hey, Steph, would you like to have my baby? And you might say, yeah, I'd love to have your baby. And I can't say to you, can I give you X amount of money, five, ten yeah. thousand, hundred thousand? That's illegal. What you can say is, I will give you expenses. Yeah. What you deem as expenses is very could your 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 term of expenses yeah, yeah. is very different to Mariah Carey's term of expenses. I'm sure. Well, I mean, it's not actually. So I'm very expensive. So that's why. Yeah. Yeah. No, but no. So that that ambiguity again, which when you've got all these things that are out of your control, I can see why you would want to do something where you do feel slightly more in control or that's more legal structure to it yeah the, the 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 bigger thing at the end of the the uk process and i don't know so much about the european process was that in the uk when a baby is born via a surrogate even if it's not genetically her egg she the the mum has the right and I, I i need to double check whether it's either three or six months that 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 carrier um has the right to that child so at birth or two weeks later after birth carrier could turn around and say oh, one second, no, that's my baby. I carried it for nine months. I'm keeping that baby. And legally, dad and dad, or whatever the situation is, the partnership, they don't have a legal right to stand on. And there there have been challenges and it has happened in the UK. But that made me feel very nervous. Yeah, That was a bit that we both didn't feel very comfortable about. So, and also I think um, the child has to carry the mum's surname for that time period as well. So mum and her partner, husband, wife, sits on the birth certificate because they're legally the child's guardian until you take take it to the courts. It didn't feel quite right for us, um, Mm. but I I appreciate, I think the US is a more financial route to go down, Mm -hmm. uh, where in the UK... It's much more, whatever, however you agree your expenses, then it's it's a fraction of the cost. My biggest aim really is that I hope that in, in a couple of years time, if not sooner, <laughs> we are able to have more surrogacy agents, surrogate agencies in the UK and more people mm-hmm. are doing it because, you know, it's, our surrogate loves it. She has a great time. Are there individuals doing it or is it pretty much always through an agency? Potentially. I haven't heard of that. I, I, I met one surrogate in the US that was doing it privately in her area and mm-hmm. she was doing it for friends or friends of friends. Um, again, that just made me a little bit nervous because she was like, mm. I, I, I'd be happy for you. But feeling out of control in so many other areas of a journey of surrogacy, yeah. it kind of felt like having that insurance policy of a legal document and an agency to help manage the situation should anything arise that you didn't feel comfortable with felt yeah. good for us and so then you your carrier was pregnant yeah and then you had the kind of wait did you spend quite a lot of time because this was all during covid right it was yeah we, we uh, our carrier or stephanie as you call her really um yeah was the the last transfer in the hospital in um uh, connecticut just before they all closed down she was an absolute trooper, Stephanie. She her flight got cancelled from the next day, so she literally like got her husband out of work. They turned the whole life around in like six hours, and literally got on a plane that day, a day earlier. Flew to New York. They got to New York. The car hire company was completely closed. The hotel had um, that closed down. They just like kept like everyone's like roadblock everywhere they went. Oh um, but they made it from Minneapolis, where they're based, to get to our fertility hospital in Connecticut. And wow. it all just felt like our life was spinning out of control back, you know, in March. And you were back here in the UK. We were here in the UK, oh, yeah. Man, trying the stre- to the stress levels must have been apt. Well, it was stressful for everyone at that point in our lives. Let alone that going on. That's so big. It was a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you ha- go back and forth and did you see her when she was no, pregnant? No, we, right. we had these lovely plans that we would go and see the, the first scan and be part mm. of that journey and actually meet face to face. But the US was closed down for that whole yeah. period. So we done some Zooms. Obviously, WhatsApp is brilliant. Um, so we just continually chatting and sharing. And we didn't meet until Wilder was born. Didn't he come four weeks early or something? He came four weeks early. There was lots of lockdowns happening around the UK. Uh, so I went to Mexico because I'd hear that if you go to Mexico and you do two weeks in Mexico, I could walk straight into the US. Right. So I went to Mexico as a backup. Our visa was going through with the US embassy. I just thought, let's just get out of the UK because it was closing down again in the November so I was having a lovely time in Mexico and, you know, cycling around Tulum, 
my husband Ian was working in the Middle East and we got the call of my waters are broke. And we're like, what? <laughs> and I, I was supposed to be leaving two days later to to kind of go and fly and get our life together and like start really planning. The plan was to get to the US, buy everything in this four weeks. I was getting there four weeks early, really. And it was just that kind of like, ah. I wouldn't change it for yeah. the world. Wilder was born via Zoom, which to me feels very 2020. I couldn't change any of it. And I, I now just kind of think it was, it, it is what it is type thing. So, no. And how did you feel? How did you feel when you saw him? We didn't sleep all night on Zoom. We just kind of cried and just kind of watched him. And, and then when I got there, it just felt surreal. What was different for us is that we didn't have a pregnancy and it was quite hard to try and find that. I think, you know, when you have maybe a traditional mm. pregnancy, dare I say that, mum or whoever is carrying a baby and mm. their partner is touching stomachs, feeling the growth, the the kicking of legs and, you know, just preparing yourself. Yeah. If I'm honest, we spent nine months in COVID. So we were mm. mental. I was mental with work, which is pretty much like most of us all kind of got mm. drunk at five o'clock in the evening and done quizzes. So we had this kind of like, it's COVID and we're about to have a baby. So our life we thought was going to be over. We just kind of had fun. <laughs> so when yeah. he arrived, it kind of felt like this is the time to kind of, this was kind of our pregnancy. And we just nestled down and we went from all of this and you try and prepare yourself as much as you possibly can. But all of a sudden you've got a baby on you. Mm. And because while it was a month early, he had, he had cables coming out of his head. He had about nine cables coming out of him. So it was all a bit scary at the same time, but he just felt like the most precious bundle. After that process, and like you say, two and a half years, and then all the different obstacles, that relief must have been massive. It was, I think, feeling out of control throughout the pregnancy was hard, but I had to trust, you know, the world or universe to a certain extent. But it was also that nervousness, you know, every night I went to bed, I would count the weeks and be like, right, we're 25 weeks, babies can survive at this point. You know, so there was still that kind of like nervous energy of like, ah. so I think when I just saw him, it was just like the emotions just kind of broke. Yeah. So and then the three of you were just together for those five months. We were. So we were we had about four and a half months. We spent a month in Minneapolis where he was born and we just waited for him. He was in NICU for a week. And then we just spent mm-hmm. a couple of weeks kind of getting him up to his birth weight or his uh, a bit more weight. And then we flew down to Miami and spent four months there. Um, the UK was in lockdown again, so it was like, why are we going to go back to the cold? Equally, we had we had some passport issues that wouldn't have wouldn't have arrived, wouldn't have come up if it had been for COVID. Right. The, the passport application got stuck in the kind of Midwest mm. snow, right. but it kind of became a nice kind of excuse, if I'm honest with you, because we couldn't leave. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, our visa started running out, but we had to keep extending them. And it was kind of like, well... I don't really want to go home because everybody's in lockdown and our families are just saying it's really miserable here. And Florida and Miami was, their restrictions were a lot lower. It was beautiful weather. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I said, it was like our our pregnancy. It really cocooned us and it really, it, Mm -hmm. it allowed us to work out who we were and what kind of relationship we was going to have with our child. And yeah. It was bliss. It was actually one of mostly one of the best five months of my entire life. Um, yeah. And I was so thankful. And we just kind of just just smiled every day and just kind of just like lapped him up. And I think it was wonderful for him because he just had 100% of both our time pretty much. Yes. Just looking after him, smiling, caring for him. What did you do for the five months that you were over there with work? I was, well. Because you, you run, a, we should say, you run a communications agency, like with a t- team of, how many? 18. There's 18 of us. And yeah, I was I was on a conference call two days later after Wilder was born, but that was just because it was needed and it was a real fun one. Because he was born in November, we went into Christmas period, really. And Christmas was our kind of quieter time. January's pretty quiet. So we kind of had this first two months of like calmness. And because it was COVID and comms had some struggle, challenges as it was, it felt like it was quite an easier time to step out. Um, where right now we are, we've just had our best month ever in 11 years. And oh, we're, man, we're, amazing. We're riding a real great wave. You know, the business is doing incredibly well and we're, we're picking up some fantastic clients. So it just, it's a really excitement moment in work at the moment. I'm absolutely loving being in work and just, you know, it's challenging me in, in, a, in, a, in a fantastic way. Um, so there's a nervousness of like, how do I cut off from that? And um and I'm still trying I'm still deliberating in my head to be honest I think you know in my head I've got a month out hopefully I'll still check emails 
daily and I will I'll be as I'll be reactive I think it's more when I get back to London how do I how do I sit still and how do you divide it between the two of you we always said right from the start we'd be 50 50 and Mm -hmm. there was no kind of we didn't want to kind of recreate who's mum who's dad because I just think that it doesn't work anyway to be honest (laughs) (laughs) um so it was always 50 50 about everything we've done um whether that's work life um but that's been very much our kind of direction in parenting um that both of us feel quite you know, not one of it. We're both pulling our own weight. And we're always, without saying selfish, is always trying to keep us happy, keeps Wilder happy. Because if I get no, frustrated, 100%. if I get frustrated and my life is like, in chaos, it's chaos, then it means I don't spend quality time with him. And, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, I don't want to be short or shouting at Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you feel kind of that guilt, that dad guilt? Does that happen? I don't. Do you know what? I I was thinking this earlier. I don't have dad guilt at all. I love going to work. To be honest, yeah. going to yeah. work going to work is easy. You know, the hard work starts when I get home or you know when we get to the weekend. So going to work, I kind of skip down the road. I'm like, I can I can do my job backwards. Guilt is meant to tell you something when you've done something wrong. But actually, if you're enjoying your work and your kids are safe and everything's been thought about, you shouldn't have to feel guilty. But it's just a I think it's a hang, overhang from well, something. People just assume it. So they, you know, we went we had three days away. The first time in seventeen months, we was we spent a day apart from Wilder. And people just continually ask you, like, oh, do you feel guilty that you're away from him, or are you really missing him? I'm like, no. I'm it's actually not. He's having he's having a great time with his grandparents. He's having a better yeah. time than yeah. than what he might be at home. You know, he's having full yeah. attention from his grandparents, and it's important he has that relationship with them. Well, and then you guys get to focus on your relationship, which if <sighs> you want to stay together, you have to. You right? really do. I do. You know, going away it was only two weeks ago. I felt like a human again. I was yeah. like, I haven't felt like this feeling for so long. It was like I didn't have to think about snacks or poos or nappies or clothes or you know all like. <laughs> And even sleeping, I just slept. I didn't sleep with yeah. one ear open thinking, can I get a cry? Um, yeah. You know, we we went to dinner, we made the most of it, and we just just hung out. It was just like, yeah. this is what our life used to be. Um, it was a little bit like, oh, my God, I really like this. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it was like, yeah. like oh, this too is late. what this was. We did not appreciate the one. No, especially not because you're having another one. I know. We just had that moment, we had that moment about three months ago when we kind of, 
was like, shoot, I think we're, ha- we're having another baby. My husband just said, I don't think we really thought about having this baby, having a baby, <laughs> did we? Just a baby in general. And I was like, I think we did. Like, we didn't just go to the Weatherspoons on a Friday night and get knocked up yeah. and a baby just popped yeah. out nine months later. Yeah, you've had you to know, think about it more than a lot of people. We went through, you know, it was a good kind of like a year and a bit before we'd even like planted an egg, you know, and legals and costs and all that stuff. I was like, we thought about it more than ever. I yeah. think and I, what we realised, the comment came from, A, we're having another child and we've just come out of the kind of harder bit, I, you know, you know, bit where he's now 17 months and he's kind of becoming more of a, a human. I was like, shoot, mm. we're going to go through all this again. And also, I think that's, again, that's having two is a whole other, because when there's one, the two of you can divide and conquer. So at least one person gets to sit down and eat, maybe if the others. And that, but again, I think it just changes as long as you kind of accept it. Once you've accepted it, it takes a little while. Then, yeah, it changes your setup a bit. Yeah, I, the, the two bit is, I'm slow, like I said, I think it's at the start, it's slightly daunting, but exciting. So you're, you're in the rush hour that we talk about. You've got, yeah, the two kids, business, both of you working, having to have those conversations like, well, I've got a call at 8.30, so you're going to have to do that. Like, it's all that stuff that is, it's a massive change. One thing about us is that we're very practical, and I think that's really helped us with parenting. We pre-plan a lot of stuff. So like we, we're going through so much in our head about like push chairs and we're, we're quite far advanced. So I think when we get to it, we're already, it's already sorted. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes the same for like our working weeks, weekends. We are trying, trying to kind of be quite organised and practically minded about things. Another benefit is you don't have the um, hormones thing going on that maybe... And I'm not saying I was completely irrational at times, but I was completely no, irrational. I think that's a really good point that, you know, we are two men. So, and, you know, that's trying to stereotype men or women differently. Mm. That You know, men and women are wired differently. And mm. the way that we approach Wilder and our kind of setup, I think is it's often quite different to a lot of kind of other setups. And we make it work for us. Have you faced any sort of discrimination or negative comment? Have you had any of that? Not massively, um, you know, from a discrimination point of view, occasionally you get the second look in the street, um, right. more so in the UK than the US, if I'm honest. In the US, people just come over to us and just be like, this is incredible. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, you're so blessed. You're so wonderful. Wow, this is incredible. How do you feel about that? Uh, it, does, it doesn't bother me. I think it takes a lot for somebody to say it. The reason they're saying it for is because it doesn't look normal to them. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that by seeing us and, and speaking to us and, and saying nice things, it's just like, oh, people just want to talk to you in the US much more. Um, yeah. So when we got back here, nobody really battered an eyelid and nobody really says anything to us. Not that I'm looking for it. No, but in some ways, like I say, in the school, Mabel or Frank come home and they'll talk about so-and-so and they won't kind of go, they've got two dads. It's not a thing. They just see it. It's great. And so they will have such a different outlook to what I had growing up where I didn't know anybody who had gay parents it that it just makes me smile when you when I speak to my friends like yourself Mm. when they talk about their children or I talk to my nieces and nephews and you know they talk about they and different sexualities Mm. it's not just kind of gay bisexually longer there's a whole host of terms Mm. and it doesn't matter the setup it matters about the person and it just makes me feel so happy you know growing up in a Welsh Valley town I was severely bullied at school for being gay um, you know, and it, it challenged me quite, you know, a lot, all the way through my life, really. Mm. Um, it was mostly a bit of a thing in my back of my head of like, how can I put a child through school with a gay dad? Mm. Um, and now when I hear the comments from people that their children at school, it doesn't matter. They've got gay dads or, or lesbian mums or whatever it might be. It's amazing. Yeah. And then the other bit, uh, the other bit, I suppose it's discrimination. It's more people, people assume he's adopted. Right. So our neighbour stopped um, our nanny and said, isn't it strange that, you know, Wilder looks like one of them and he's adopted? And she's like, he's not adopted. It's biologically mm. their child. You know, she couldn't get ahead around that. Right. So there was that. And then the other time we, we flew, when we flew back with Wilder once, the, we got stopped by immigration. And we've flown in three times with him. And particularly this time, it was my husband and I. The other time, I think I was on my own. They just let me through. So they basically asked to say, you know, whose son is this? And we said, it's ours. And I said, oh, I've got the paperwork here. And here's his birth certificate. And we're on the birth certificate. And at the time, Wilder had his um, passport hadn't come through. But he had gone through the High Court in the UK to be legally British. And the guy was like, 
behind the counter. He was like, oh, this is really, this is really tricky. And this is a really awkward situation. I said, why? I've, I've come in four times in the last 12 months. And he was like, I need to go and speak to somebody. So he went to speak to somebody. Somebody comes back and looks at us and starts asking all these random questions about neutralization. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, mate. Um, and I was like, he's our son. And he was like, so he was like quite rude to us. And then he went off and they said, oh, you're going to have to come over to, over to a room. So it was like that kind of dreaded moment. And, you know, we just flown 10 hours on a flight back from the US. With a baby. Um, and I was like, can I change my son's nappy? And they were a bit like, well, you can do it here. So I ended up changing his nappy on the floor in the middle of the terminal. They made us wait for ages. And then some super boss comes over and starts kind of saying some legal jargon. And I was like, I don't understand what the issue is. We've come in three times before. This is our son. He was like, well, because he's adopted, da, da, da. And I said, who said he's adopted? And he's like, oh, I, t- I thought you guys had adopted a child. He was like looking and saying, like, how else would you have a baby? Right. And I said, sir, in all the greatest respect, you are holding a birth certificate on your hand mm-hmm. and it has my husband and my, my name mm-hmm. on it. So how could he be adopted if he's got a birth certificate with our name on? And he was like, I think there's just been a real big mistake here and I can only apologise. I was like, yeah. But it shows how new, I suppose, it is to in lots of ways because like the next time that happens, hopefully they wouldn't make the same mistake, right? Hopefully. I suppose you have to believe that it will change because it, it, it is changing. It's just, I guess it's going to take yes, time. Yes, it is. What do you think is the impact of celebrities having babies via surrogacy? Because I think that's probably where I've heard more about surrogacy and probably more misinformation. Obviously the Kardashians, <laughs> but more misinformation probably yeah. than anything. Again, I think I always go back to if it raises awareness of what surrogate that surrogacy is out there and it's an available tool to you know any couple or, or human or individual sorry that would like to go about having a child and they can do it in their own accord then great it is raising awareness i suppose because they don't go into the detail and stuff and maybe they shouldn't have to for, but i suppose because they put so much of their lives out there yeah and then suddenly another baby appears and there's a mention of surrogacy and then so it it's this that mystery bit I guess it's when I looked at some of those situations is it's starting to feel it's starting to feel like if you're rich and famous and you don't really want to spend nine months carrying a baby and you don't want to change your body mm. then go and have a surrogacy you know is is that right or wrong well it I suppose it lowers the value of it to someone a yeah. couple like yours it does yeah it does yeah it's it's a fine line how do people support people going through surrogacy? Oh, gosh. Gosh, I don't know. so hard because we were in COVID. We just kind of got on with it. People were quite shocked, actually. Mm-hmm. It was a bit like, oh, really? Like, you know, we were, they just didn't, they just assumed that, you know, we'd kind of gone past that point. You know, we were 38 and quite fun, outgoing people. So it was just been like, oh, you're having a baby. Like, you know, and I had a few friends just say, are you sure? Like, you know, and and good friends do do that. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, to question like, you know, why, you know, why are you doing that? And I think that's going to be a good point. You know, challenge, you know, it's okay to be challenged by friends. Part of the reason why we wanted a baby as well was to, to, to change our life and change the, the direction of our life a little bit. I didn't kind of want to wake up at 50 on the dance floor Pasha. To be honest, I would like to wake up at 50 <laughs> on the dance floor Pasha, but with, with nice, healthy children, you know, at, at home, home sleeping. Being looked after by grandparents. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the, it's the clangers, I think. And just that nuance that people might not know of. Yeah, I think that, that for that with the adoption thing was for me, that's that always kind of gets my back mm, up. Yeah. Of like, you know, like, oh, it's so lovely you've adopted a child. You know, you just, they feel sorry for you. Or like, they feel like, oh. Yeah, it's such a good oh, thing to do. And somebody. It's like, good for yeah, you. Yeah. Like, oh, look at the gays having a baby and helping with it. <laughs> oh. like, yeah. Oh. Um, but I've got, th- I've got a thick skin. To yeah, so yeah. Doesn't... And what about um, the impact of being a dad on your relationship? Having a baby strengthened our relationship massively. We needed a, a challenge, not ch- just a, we needed to shift our kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It made us stronger because we had to work as a unit before we were kind of just off doing our own thing, coming back together for holidays and date nights and, you know, daytimes. But it's the fun stuff. Yeah, the fun stuff. Yeah, this time it was like, God, we, we need to work. But we had this thing where it was the hug, you know, and it was, and we both had to kind of be mature and grown up about it. And it was like, we need to give each other a yeah. hug. Even though I don't like you very much, I'm going to give you a hug. Even though I don't like you, but I know I need to give you a hug. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to keep procrastinating. Yeah. It's going to keep going yeah. around our head. 
And we just do that nice solid hug for two minutes or a minute yeah. or so and just be like, I love you. I do love you. Just remember that. It's it's okay. I love that. And we've never done that before. We did we didn't need to, because you were too busy having loads of fun. <laughs> a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it strengthened us and it was it's so wonderful to watch my husband with with Wilder and how how he is and how loving he is and you know their bond that they have and the funny things they do together. You know, it's just I see him in such a different mm. way now. You know, I see I see a different side to him, I guess. Um, which is is lovely. The other thing I was going to ask you, so I've interviewed lots of women who've talked about feeling overwhelmed as well as that mum guilt, but do you feel that overwhelm and what happens when you feel it? I do. It it goes through waves for me. I love being, I'm actually really good when I'm busy, but then there are moments what I find is that my glass eventually gets half, not glass, sorry, my battery gets depleted because you're continually on you know, you're you're waking up in the morning, you're dealing with all the, the kind of pre-work bit, then going to work, I mean, da-da, and then coming home, bath, bed, chatting, and then you find yourself on the sofa ordering random stuff that you need for the baby of like toys and gadgets and researching kind of push chairs and car seats. For me, it's, it's and then words for all of us, it's seven days a week. Yeah. You know, you get to Saturday and... You know, you you do miss the lie in, and I find that sometimes my my battery gets it gets mm-hmm. low, and then I get a bit cranky, and then I feel a bit like, Whoa. yeah, um, and then I go through a phase of that, and I think, no, okay, you just pull yourself out of this, go for a run. Running became my savior through right. through the last eighteen months. Going to the gym I used to love, but I just don't practically go into the gym any longer. It's so hard. You know, the time you drive there or walk there or however you get there and then you shower and do your gym and come back. Sometimes like it's two and a half hours at your day. I'm like, I don't have two and a half hours. Yeah, I do get that kind of that rush hour. But I, I, I'm trying to kind of keep an eye of when I can see it building mm. up um, and working out what I need to say no yeah. to. And it's sometimes thinking like, do you know what? No, I can't go to that event this week. Or actually, I need to go into work later. Or I need to make sure I finish at this mm-hmm. time. It's identifying that before it becomes a problem. And I start getting cranky. I'm probably quite similar. And it and it gives you a buzz. And you're like, oh, look. Da, da, da. And then it's just the one thing too much because you say yes to too much. And then it, it all crashes. You're like, oh, yeah, no, I need to take some stuff out. I can't just keep going. That's it's it's realized and it's in hindsight we'd all do it more often but I'm sure I'll keep doing it it's a cycle I, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get better at it I love like just doing things and like ticking things off my list I've got lists for everything yeah. you know and like right let's get on with this you know and like I'm pre-booking flights ahead of time and pre-thinking about you know what do we need to do when this happens so I'm always yeah. on wine definitely became my friend I know I know and you're like well it's okay because it wasn't too much and all the time <laughs> Sometimes we like we got through another day, yeah. like it's seven o'clock, baby's in bed, bath, bed, gym. I get why alcohol gets kind of demonised sometimes, and the, and people don't want to glorify it. But if you don't have a problem with booze, it's that distinction between day, 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 busy, and then right, that's pausing that and having a drink to actually have a bit of time. I I think that's okay. It really is. It's a little ritual. Yeah, it's, a little a ritual. it's just that, like, oh, yeah. like you know, it's. It's just as, as long as it's not you don't become a, like a part time alcoholic or function alcoholic. The only thing I was going to mention that just really amused me at the time was your nightmare solo flight with Wilder. Oh my gosh! I've had bad flights, right? And we've had the chaos when there were three and one was a baby and the two. But man, oh man, it just was a catalogue of errors. It just had. So bad. It got so funny. I thought <laughs> I was in like a like a sketch. I thought somebody might like jump out on me and be like, ha ha ha. It started. I I thought it'd be, my my husband was away working. I thought I'd go away with a friend. We went to a really nice hotel just in Spain. I thought it'd be really easy, lovely time. We did we had a great time. But Wilder got sick from uh, the pool, we think, or from the kids' right. club. So. He just started throwing up. You know, it was the first time he'd ever been mm. sick. I was like, um, you know, I woke up and he, you know, I woke him up and like I went to his bed at midnight and it was just sick uh, everywhere. And I we'll just be... had no idea what uh. to do. And I was like, shoot, whatever, whatever's yeah. happened. Um, and then took him to the doctors. Doctor was like, I think he's teething. I was like, really? Gosh, okay. <laughs> so they didn't really want to do anything. Yeah. My friend then realized he'd booked himself the wrong flight back. So he was no longer flying back uh. with me. So I was now traveling on my own. So I got into the taxi and I was like, okay, we're going home. Like breathe, get yourself sorted. And then I literally looked to the left and Wilder just like projectile vomited 
across this kind of lovely kind of hotel car <laughs> and <laughs> just like no and uh, we were in spain we we're going to Gib- flying home from gibraltar and if any, i'm sure some parents you have done this but you have to kind of walk across the gibraltar straight where you go through passport control so i get wild out of the car and i'm like cleaning the sick up from the oh, car God. seat but the guy like leads me on the side of a dual carriageway because that's just where he drops you off um, so I'm like stripping wilder on this dual carriageway while like having cases and bags and stuff. Um, so he basically goes through passport control in like nothing but a nappy. <laughs> um, I get through and I kind of find something to change him into. And then it was like this whole walk. The airport was just a nightmare. Trying to go through an airport with a child on your own and try and put the pushchair down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Like, you need two hands to do it. like passports and boarding passes. And and they want everything out of the pushchair, understandably for security, but it's like you're trying to get everything out of your pushchair and then they're trying to check the milk. So it was just a whole hoo-ha. And people are kind and people are lovely. You know, somebody offered to, to hold Wilder when I went through. I, th- I think I changed him again. And then we got, you know, trying to lug the thing down to the plane. And then I got on the plane and it was completely full. And I sat down and they, there was a delay on the tarmac for an hour. Oh, and Wilder was just, by this point, he was just screaming. And I'd never seen him like this. He was just screaming yeah. and just being like, just not happy. Yeah. And the man next to me was some kind of like, not very parent friendly no. man who just kept like huffing and puffing. And I just sat there thought, I don't know how I'm going to get through this flight, but I've just got to just take a deep breath. Do you know, I don't know why, but it really made me laugh when you wrote about having a coffee which got spilt and that you had a, a Kit Kat in your pocket melting or whatever. I just don't know why. Just like you're just trying. It's like I, I can do this. I can do this. Like, yeah, I was. I get a coffee and a Kit Kat and I put put it down on on the seat and then all of a sudden the seat just rocked and the coffee went all over me and I was like, I'll have my Kit Kat. As you quite rightly said, I forgot about that. I like pull the Kit Kat and it like <laughs> melted on my linen shirt in the pocket and I was just like, okay, yeah, great. And he finally did sleep a bit on the plane and then woke up and then had some more some more sick. And by the time I got to Heathrow, I was like, God, I'm on the home straight yeah. now. This is Maybe brilliant. Now. Like, great. Got the bag. Got into the car. And we don't live far from the airport. And I was just, I was feeling quite like smug by this one. Like, God, like nothing else can, I like, can take it all now. Just as I thought that while I was sat on my lap and just had a nappy on and he just pooed and it was diarrhea. <laughs> and it came out like a little Britain sketch where it just like projectile down my leg and like through my kind of like flip flop. <laughs> and I just was like... Oh God! And I just thought, right, Jonathan, think practical right now. You really got to sort this out. So I just kind of, I wound the window down and um, I kind of like went through the bag that was at the side of me and I just got my own clothes out and started to wipe in my leg. I wiped the floor and I just flipped the mat, mat over on the on the uh, taxi floor. <laughs> and I just said to the guy, I said, oh, I'm really sorry my son's blown off. And he was like, oh, don't worry. It's oh, okay. Oh man, that's, so that could still like, be there. <laughs> It could still be there, and I literally just like jumped up, run out of the car, and just kind of run into the house. But also, I feel like everyone has to have that, whether it's in a car. Like I've got a picture somewhere where two of my kids were sick at the same time, simultaneously, with one in the middle not being on like a nightmare car journey. Like it has to happen. It's your initiation. It does. And he's done it now. It's part of parenting, isn't and it? And he's going to be coming over to America with you really soon. He's coming with us. Yeah, he totally is. It's meet his brother. Meet his dear baby. Meet his brother, and I'm really, I'm really excited for him to see his surrogate. Um, yeah. We we have such a great relationship with our surrogate, and we caught up with her in January I think there's a lot of nervousness sometimes with the surrogate that they're going to get too attached to a child and you know from our experience it really hasn't you know it's Stephanie is very practical and you know to her she was carrying a baby for us and it was part of what she wanted to do to give Mm -hmm. back we're we're excited to get back and we're you know we're very close with the family and she's got three boys herself Um, and I know that while is now older and I think he's going to love kind of seeing three older kind of kids running around. Awesome. Yeah. Just got to, got to get there. You're nearly there. I'm really excited for you and it will be okay. I think the fear is worse than the actual, I was so nervous having my second and then you're just doing it, aren't you? And it it sounds as if the two of you working well together. So you'll be fine. But is the nervousness good because it means you're thinking about it and digesting it and working out? Well, you give a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also, if you were just like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine, because I suppose the danger is you go, oh, I've done this before, it's going to be totally fine, then you might not have thought through any of it or had the conversations or just said, I, I feel a bit nervous about that. And then your expectations could be too high. I think 
everything with kids is about keeping expectations quite low and then it's always a pleasant surprise when it's when it's all right this is true this is true and you've got three I don't know how you do that my first two were 21 months apart so not too dissimilar to your 18 months and it was full on but now they are close in age and they do lots of things at the same time and they either fight or they get on very well but when they're left to their own devices they get on really well that was part of the reason why we were just let's keep it quite close to each yeah. other because they when they get to five and six or even later they will they'll be such more hopefully really close buddies yeah. and they'll only be a year apart in school so that was you know rip, rip the band-aid yeah. off now for later yeah because we're in having two there's no more. right okay is that what you Probably said no I I want well I had a bigger gap but I was I want another and Doug kept swinging between oh I, it's a terrible idea and oh maybe and then meanwhile I got pregnant and then we were having we had a third but we did have a bigger <laughs> gap and there's and there's something to be said for the big gap as well but I think if you have two close together that also works it all works it's going to be just fine yeah. it will be it's always fine in the, in the long run I always think so yeah thank you so much well, thank you thank you you broke my podcast cherry massive thank you to Jonathan and good luck with baby two I hope they managed to recreate that bubble he talked about even though the world has opened up Um, I also thought what he said about sharing 50-50 and not having preconceived ideas of their roles was really interesting. Producer Fee and I came away from the calling saying, right, so we need to be gay men, basically. (laughs) Um, Please get in touch if you want to share any thoughts. It's always good to hear from people, as I said. And thank you so much for listening. Have a really good week. We've got bank holidays coming up here in the UK, so I hope it's a good one. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.